0: All right, it's 30 for 30 this week. We've got a former Illini basketball player, Mike LaTulip, perhaps more famously known as the head coach of the Illini team in the TBT, the basketball tournament. Um, He got a lot of press, got some ESPN time, some FaceTime on ESPN. Uh, How's things going, Mike? How are you doing?
1: Things are going well, man. Things are going well. There's actually some flurries down in Austin, Texas, if you can believe it. But uh, weather down, weather down here is a little bit better than the Midwest, that's for sure. Uh, actually, I got out to golf yesterday, oh, um, which which was good. Uh, but yeah, everything's going well. Obviously, from a fandom perspective, it's been nice, you know, seeing this Illinois team and and really just how far they've come in the in the beginning of the season and, and being able to watch that night in and night out is, has been awesome. But overall, man, uh, just enjoying life.
0: Yeah, you that that's pretty wild when you can go from um, golf one day to snow the next. So you know that's the United States for you. I mean, that's Texas. That's Texas. We always say that's the you know that's Illinois, but you know that, Texas too, I guess. So, but you'll probably the difference in Texas, you'll probably be golfing again tomorrow. Yeah, I mean that, that's, that's
1: yeah. I think it was it was like mid. It was close to sixty yesterday when I was out there. Right now, I think right now it's about thirty eight and and like flurries, kind of kind of rainy, but it, it's amazing the guys that I play with that I played with yesterday um, it gets down to like 50 degrees and they're like, I don't even know why we're out here. They're all from Texas <laughs> and, and from like from Austin and, or from like the Corpus Christi area. And they're like, they're, they're freezing. And I'm like, dude, this is nothing. This is absolutely nothing compared to the Midwest. I was up in Ohio a couple of weeks ago or maybe a couple of months ago with one of my buddies that, that used to play at Wright state. And we're like, you know what? It's 36 degrees. It may rain a little bit, but like, let's just go get around it. Like we yeah. love playing golf. And I completely, I underestimated what cold and rain does. Um, it was miserable. So to be able to be out there, it was sunny. It was like 48 degrees when we started our round, and I'm like, this is this is awesome. They're like, oh, this is terrible. and freezing. You know? <laughs> but it's just, I don't know. The Midwest, the Midwest kind of uh, calluses. you know, you know your uh, it builds up a callus a little bit for all the the weather that uh, you know that obviously I've experienced down here. It's nothing.
0: Yeah, I'm not. I'm that guy that wears shorts until there's snow on the ground. So I, I you know, I, I get it. You know, you just you're that doesn't happy. surprise
1: me for whatever reason. That doesn't surprise me.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's one of those things. I when I coach high school softball, I always tell them I've got to wear my uh, I got to wear shorts. So you can't whine about it being cold. Um, if I'm in shorts, you can't whine. So
1: that's that's my philosophy. That's a good, that's a good tactic. That's so, a heck of a see, tactic
0: there. Hey, there's my coaching philosophy. So next year in the basketball tournament, you can use that one, whatever. Maybe you can wear like a parka and say, hey, you can't whine about it being hot in here because I've got a parka. Exactly. You, you can try that. But so uh, the basketball tournament was obviously a pretty great experience for you. Uh, you you talk, you've talked about it before, but recap that and how that came about and what you're doing right now. Are you recruiting right now?
1: Yeah. Five players for next yeah. year? Yeah, so it's, it's amazing. I, you know, when, when I first got into it, uh, about let's see, this would have been in September of twenty shoot September of twenty nineteen. Um, it would have been, and um, you know, so about ten months before the tournament was when it all started. And you know, you you obviously have the you have a goal in mind in terms of guys that you want to have on the team. And I was putting out feelers just to see if people would be interested. And quite frankly, I was putting out feelers during the twenty nineteen TBT um, before I even knew that I would be putting together a team just to be like, Hey, would you guys play in this? You know, what's the deal? Um, and and for the most part, everybody's response was, yeah, you know, I'd for sure play in it. So by the time, you know, we had the team, uh, it it was really pretty seamless process in terms of, of getting the guys. Now, now obviously COVID made it a little bit, uh, you know, threw a wrench into that, but, but throughout the whole, throughout the preparation of it, um, it's really neat because at times, you know, you're like, man, I can just, you know, kind of put together the offensive scheme. I see, I see fit the, the defensive scheme we see fit. And then, and then to be able to put together a roster of not only guys like, Hey, let's go get the most, you know, the nine most talented guys we can find. It's, you know, let's find actual pieces. Let's find complementary pieces. You know, there's um, you know, they like, like having a guy, you know, it's great to have a guy like Mike Dom, but it's also great to have a guy like Michael Finke who, who, you know, they'll do exactly what he's told. He's a great teammate, doesn't care about how many shots he gets, doesn't care about the minutes he plays. Um, he just plays hard when he's in there, and, and he's, he's rooting these guys on the sideline. And, like, that's, that's what I realized when we went to the tournament. That's the differentiator for teams that win and teams that don't. Um, I mean, for example, like, you have other teams in the tournament that, you know, they make the mistake of bringing, like, 12 guys and, and 12 good players who probably could play minutes, and it, it never works out because you there's no chance you're, everyone's going to be happy. Um, right. And I realized that too. I mean, we didn't we didn't have many issues with that with playing time and whatnot. But you know, I was doing all the substitutions, and these are guys that I had played with. Um, so it's a little unique when I'm like, yeah, you're coming out. You know, what I mean, it's uh, <laughs> but but it was, part of it was just you know gaining their trust, and um, you know, I remember. Kyle Vanales, who, who really helped us in the, in the Carmen's crew game, you know, Finky had said like, Hey, we should probably reach out to this guy. Um, you know, and I watched some film on him and I liked what he brought to the table from just kind of an off the bench um, scoring punch. And, uh, but the amazing thing is once we got to uh, Columbus, we showed up for our first practice and, and he comes in and he's like, hey, did you, did you hoop? Like, did you hoop anywhere? Like, did you hoop in college <laughs> or something? And And like, he didn't know. And, I was like, yeah, yeah, I did. So I knew that, you know, in the first practice to get these guys to respect me um, and, and that didn't really need to happen for the guys that I played with. Like they, they understand, you know, what I know about the game that I'm going to try to put them in the best position to succeed. And, um, but for a guy like Kyle um, and I've known Billy Garrett, I played against Billy Garrett for a long time. So, um, so he was good. But with Kyle, I was like, you know what I, I have, the, I I'm getting the feeling that I need to win his respect. So at the end of practice, I, what I did was I came up to him and I said, Hey, let me know if you want to lose in a shooting competition. <laughs> and he's like, what are you talking about? So him and I, him and I just started playing, uh, just kind of trade and like trading threes. And it was like the one way where like, you know, I was hitting shots and that was, you know, he was like, okay, wow. Like, you know, you can play. Um, and, and I think that went a long way with him just kind of respecting things that I said or, or things that I called. And, um, but, but the, the process as a whole, what was really neat was seeing all these guys play together. And I know, I know I've talked about it a lot, but, but seeing Andres Feliz play with Malcolm and, and you know, and seeing Nana Egwu Nana Aguilu play with, with LaRon again and, and, and putting all that together. And then obviously getting a guy like Mike Dom, who we were obviously extremely fortunate to have. And, you know, he's a, he's a top 10 all-time scorer in the, in the NCAA. And, Um, and and in practice, it was, it was amazing. I had all these different guys who didn't really know about him. They heard about him. Um, but we do five on O and then we do like some, some walk through stuff or, or go live for a little bit. And the dude doesn't miss, like he doesn't miss. And I remember like Nana came up to me at one point, Malcolm came up to me at one point and was just like. Dude, like, who is like who is this guy? Like why like he does not he hasn't missed for like 3 days and I'm like, yeah, dude, that's what we're getting. Like it's it's the dominator, man. So, um so yeah, no, it, overall and then you look at a guy like Andres Feliz who um I didn't know Andres quite frankly, uh like i had never met him in person. Uh like, you know, we had shared messages and talked on the phone and but but we actually met for the first time driving up to Columbus. I was coming from my parents' house in Nashville and um i had to pick him up in kentucky at his at his wife's house and uh and he hopped in the car and we drove about three and a half hours up to columbus and just getting to know each other like it was just like there was he literally got into the car and he was like i'm mike nice to meet you um and then we made our way up there and uh and he's just an amazing kid and that's why i was so i was so excited to see the success that he had in the tournament and um you know seeing him go toe-to-toe with a guy like aaron craft and um, and best him in certain areas was, was really, really neat. So, yeah, overall, uh, a heck of an experience that, that I'm glad we could do. It and, and I'm glad it, it can set the foundation for what we want to do moving forward with this team. Because I think it's something that's really cool, not only just in a pandemic where there's not much else going on, but every year kind of making this uh, um, an annual occurrence and something that Illini fans kind of in those dog days of July – um when when it's all just like hey what's the you know what's how's training camp going for the football team um you know there's there's other things that even just for the media like that I think that was something that we didn't we didn't even think about and then it was all of a sudden you know you know Derek Piper and Jeremy Werner and all these guys that you know Scott Ritchie like they all have to cover like you have things to cover um you know and, and I think in a in in the middle of the pandemic that's uh, you know you can only do so many like flashback stories, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, uh, right. so, so it was nice to kind of give them some live sports. So overall 10 out of 10, you know, amazing experience that we're looking forward to doing again in 2021.
0: Yeah. You got some guys there too, that maybe didn't get the opportunity at, at Illinois, whether it's Malcolm Hill, Andres Felice to play in an NCAA tournament, kind of put them in that right. one and done situation. So it's fun to see those guys one more time, get that opportunity. And hopefully they'll be back this summer. I know, um, they seem pretty excited about uh, doing it again, running it back. So uh, that, that sounds good. They have, so if you, so as you go, does that make you want to get into coaching? I mean, do you have that itch?
1: Um, you know, it's amazing. The, uh, the, the coaching thing it's, and it's a question that, that I've, you know, I've been asked a lot. I mean, especially the the weeks after the TBT. And even when I was at the TBT, I tried to, Shut out everything at the TBT. Like, I wasn't on Twitter. Like, I didn't want, I I was just, I was trying to go into full coach mode, I guess, and (laughs) not read what was being written about us and, um, and whatnot. Cause it's just, you really had to, to kind of stay focused and, and get to the next game and, and not kind of, I guess, rest on your laurels there. But, um, but no, I mean, I, quite honestly, it's amazing. People, people ask me that. They're like, Hey, does this make you want to get into coaching? And I always tell them, like, I am in coaching. Like like to me, this is, you know, it's almost the the perfect thing um, for me and for I guess the lifestyle that I live. Like I I have a fiance, we're getting married in May, and um and I and I've seen firsthand, you know, there's different college programs that that do it differently, but um but I've seen that nomadic lifestyle um, where you're picking you're picking your kids up, picking your wife up, and hey, we're we're you know we just got a job at North Dakota State, so we're moving. or maybe the staff gets fired and you're just kind of going from one place to another. And, and I, I think growing up, um, that happened a lot, even with my dad's job, like we moved around a lot and, um, but we settled in Arlington Heights, Illinois, and, and it it was nice to have roots and it was nice to have a place and, and not be, uh, not be on the go all the time. And, uh, and, and I think for, uh, I think for the coaching aspect of it, the, the big thing for me was, um, you know, I thought about it for sure. Like there, I mean, you know, Hey, would I want to do this for a living? And, uh, and part of me actually love, that's what I love about the TBT is, you know, I I love the job that I have currently and the TBT kind of fills that void, um, the coaching void, if you will. So I don't know. I mean, if there was an, you know, if there was an opportunity that came along, you know, there'd probably be some discussion about it, but the, but ultimately I I've loved what the TBT's brought and, um, I'm able to get my coaching fixed, but it's also just a really, and I'm able to go at like my own pace and, and, and kind of put those things together. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Maybe, maybe things change down the road, but as of now, I'm, I'm completely content with not going fully into the coaching world.
0: Yeah. It's tough too, because in the coaching world, you know how it is. You get to break in at the bottom and you're doing all the grunt work and then you get to be an assistant at, you know, Southwest Indiana, you know, North, east state and you you start out right. there and you've got to recruit you know you got to build all new contacts and you work your way up so it's 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 obviously a tough tough thing to do to break into it and if you got a good thing going you, you don't want to you don't want to mess it up so going back though if you go back to one of the most important parts of coaching is recruiting and so i'm gonna toot my horn here is i'm a, I'm a michael tulip guy from back in the day like 12 years ago you know watching michael wow. tulip i so i i'm at i'm at this game and um I may have had a I may have had a heads up to take a look at this kid, but I, so I go and I watch this game and I see this. There's this little scrawny white kid and he's draining threes from from everywhere. So I, I think that game you may have had. The, I saw it. Was in Was it in Wisconsin? I think you hit. You had like 40, 40 points, forty one points or something like that in. MiQuan Wisconsin up there at Holmes, was it Homestead High School. Or Homestead, something? Yeah. yeah. And so you hit like you hit draining threes right and left. You're co- they're running you off screens, and I think you guys lost the game um, at the we end. Actually,
1: but I, we won. We actually won the game on a Darius Paul lane. That's right. That's end. right.
0: You're right. You're right. Yeah. They took you away at the end, but I mean on the last play, and Darius Paul got the. You're right. That's right. But you had like I mean I, I want to say did you hit like ten threes that game or nine or ten threes? It was crazy.
1: I yeah, I, I actually do I, I do remember the game and I actually remember I remember who we were playing. I remember I I don't know. I'm just that's just how I am. Like I always I remember every little detail. I could tell you every team we played in that tournament and um and yeah, I actually remember I remember like I, it's so crazy. I remember seeing you in the stands. Like I in my mind I can see exactly where you were sitting in the stands for whatever reason. Like um, but yeah, that game uh I remember there were there were so many college coaches at that game um it was filled because the team that we were playing had you know five or six division one like you know high major mid to high major division one players so there were there were just a lot of uh, players at that game and I remember after that game and really after that tournament um I was like oh man I did it like I I did it like the offers are going to come pouring in now like I'm going to get this offer and that offer I saw all these high major coaches at the game and um and that was not how it went at all. And it was kind of my wake-up call to, you know, I, I was just in denial for a long time with, I'm like, oh, length doesn't matter. You know, body type doesn't matter. Like, you see the production I do. It doesn't matter. And then, and then you know, when I got to Illinois, I was like, oh, this does matter. Um, you know, because if it's like, hey, if I know the offense inside and out and, I, and I'm going to make every, you know, every play, you know, I'm, I'm serviceable on defense. No, hey, I should play. But then, you know, you look at a guy, I'm a sophomore and Kendrick Nunn's a freshman. It's like, they're probably going to play Kendrick Nunn. Um, <laughs> even if he's just still getting up to speed, his length and his athleticism like that, that's all a big factor. So when I, I think when I was after that tournament, cause they can't call you during the tournament. Right. Um, right. But right after the tournament, I got offered on the spot by South Dakota state who actually ended up being coach Nagy was ended up being my coach at Wright state the fifth year and um, Toledo wanted me to come visit. They didn't offer me, but they wanted to come visit. And then they said, hey, basically, if you come, we'll offer you. Um, and then I think um, St. Mary's uh, wanted me to come visit. And then uh, Illinois or, or Boston College actually went out on a visit, to. But those were really the four schools uh, that reached out. No one else, no one else reached out. Um, and I think that made me mad. um and and me I don't know like I I you you could probably say back then like I had an ego about me and um didn't really see like the big picture and once coach price called at Illinois it was kind of like he's like hey we want to come we want you to come down and play an open gym and I was like let's do it let's go because um I'm I'm so mad about what's going on with my recruiting that I want to go there and I played well in the open gym and I told my dad I'm like I can play here like let's go do it and um So that's kind of how all that started. But going back to that tournament specifically, I could tell like, you know, there was that was the first game, I think, of the tournament. And then the next game we played like um, it was like a Wisconsin playground elite, like one of those teams. And then um, our third game was against the Colorado Hawks, who had a guy on their team named Chris Thomas, who was the sixth ranked player in the 2013 class. And it's amazing. I remember like scored 30 plus in that game was going back and forth with him all game. And, um, hoop mixtape, the, the, uh, the YouTube channel that puts out all the mixtapes was at the game. Chris Thomas crossed me over. And if you watch the video, my guy came in to help and stepped his foot in. So like, it's perfectly seamless. Like he crosses over, I go to slide, my teammate catches my leg and I just drop to the ground. And that's the only clip. That's the only clip you can find on the internet from that game is me getting dropped. But I'm like, man, we won the game. Like I went off on that kid. Um, but I don't know. That's just how it goes, but it brings up a lot of, a lot of memories from that tournament. And, um, I was, I was thankful that you were, that you were covering it and you were putting some things out there about me because I think, um, I think that kind of snowballed into I guess into maybe some other other coverage and 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 kind of I guess getting my name out there a little bit from a I guess from a recruiting standpoint
0: well here, here, here we thought we were helping you and we just made you an internet meme then you just became uh you know falling down so. yeah no it was
1: uh, it's so <laughs> funny because like the the way that I saw it I didn't even know like no one sent it to me nothing I like I would always watch hoop mixtape um videos and they did like a. Uh, a 2011, like best of 2011. It's like an eight minute video. And so it's like NBA, it's high school, it's college. And it was like four minutes in, like, I wasn't even expecting it. And it was just like, I I watched uh, Casey Hill who went to Florida. He like went behind it. He like went around his back and dunked it. and, um, And then it was like, my clip was Casey Hill dunking on someone me getting dropped and then like Kobe doing something like it was literally like, it was just like in the, it was bookmarked, uh, I guess, between those. And and uh, I was, I was shocked. I was like, Oh my God, I mean, that was me. That's not a great, that's not a great video of me, but like, I guess, I guess I'm on. But I'm some. out there though. So all, yeah, all publicity
0: is anymore. good publicity.
1: All right, publicity exactly. is good. We're, Isn't that what they say? We're still talking about it 12 years later. you
0: know? <laughs> So, and, and of course on your, you know, then you, you know, you choose to go to Illinois and then you go to Illinois. And so, Anniversary of today, you were on a recruiting visit for the Brandon Paul yeah. game, right? And so you were sitting there, just probably down at the end of the bench there in the recruit section, right? I assume on the baseline yep. there, and uh, you you yep. got to watch that from up and close. What were your thoughts on that night?
1: Yeah. So the the crazy thing was I, I so I had known Brandon. I played with Darius for a long time, and um, so I got to know Brandon a little bit. Obviously, know his family, and it was a huge game. I mean, you got. Jared Sellinger and, you know, Aaron Kraft, William Buford, you know, all those guys are out there. It's a, it's a really, really good Ohio state team. And, you know, I remember just, you know, and it's funny after being Brandon's teammate, you can just, you can, you can tell when he's going to have those type of games. We felt it before Gonzaga um, we felt it like at the Maui and um, it was amazing sitting there and, and, and seeing him and, and kind of the, I guess the seminal moment in that game was kind of the, the bobble picked the ball up. It was like right in front of Bruce, like bobble, picked the ball up, throw it up at the end of the shot clock. Um, Yeah. That was just kind of the moment where it kind of solidified like, Hey, this is Brandon's night. (laughs) And uh, I remember I was with my brother there as well. And uh, I'm not sure I've ever seen anything like that. And and that type of game um, live as a fan, um, I'm not sure I've seen that at the college level where he was able to to do that night. And it's even better when you can do it in a win and it's not like, Hey, you're, you're down 15 and you just keep throwing right. in shots to make it closer. Like every shot he was hitting was, was a pivotal shot that was propelling them to that win. So, um, and, and it made me even more happy for him. Like once I got to Illinois and was, was his teammate and just saw how great of a guy he was, how much he took me under his wing and um, you know, my freshman year as, as the only freshman um, it almost made in retrospect that performance, made me even happier for him I'm like dude, it, it couldn't it couldn't happen to a better guy
0: yeah i totally agree on brandon i got to start watching him i think um he had like a it was his sophomore year he came up on varsity he scored like had a 20 point half or something like that and i got to it was like here we go you know so i followed him throughout the whole career and you know throughout his whole professional career too it's been fantastic he's a he's a really good guy um um special player obviously at illinois you have so and, and you, you mentioned uh you know we we're talking you know, the shooting contest, right. And things, and you're a shooter, right. I mean, you were known as being one of the best shooters around and and you probably don't lose many shooting contests. And, and um, I didn't lose many either. I tell you, that's one of those things that we, sometimes you can just shoot, right. I mean, so that's just what you do. So, yeah. but, but at the same time, you, you always go through a cycle. Like right now, Adam Miller has gone through some, he's a freshman Illinois known as a shooter. He struggled a little bit with the shot and, and missed some open threes that things that you expect him to make. And, and, is what goes through your head for me it was always if I have confidence I feel like I'm going to make it and sometimes you get in your head you start doubting yourself a little bit do you feel like that's kind of where Adam's at or do you what what has been your how do you get through maybe a shooting slump
1: yeah and, and I think a lot of that is predicated on on what your role is on the team um, for a guy like Adam you know he, I mean he got up 11 threes in their game against Northwestern um, so I think that's that's obviously great uh, but when you're a guy that you know, you don't really know you, you know, you have IO on your team, you have Kofi on your team. And when you don't know for sure how many reps you're going to get in a game, that's when that can, can start to snowball because you start to put a little bit more pressure on each shot. Right. So, you know, if he starts off over one, you know, that next shot just inherently as a human being, you put a little bit more pressure on it. Cause you're like, I don't want to go over two. I don't want to miss my second one. Because on top of that, like I may only shoot for this game. You know, I may only right. shoot three this game or I may only shoot five this game. So um, as opposed to a guy that, you know, a guy like Steph Curry, who he knows every single game, he's going to get, you know, 12, 13, 14 threes up and there's nothing you can do about it. So yeah. he's able to, to shoot knowing that he'll get another one um, because, you know, as a shooter myself, like when I went to Wright State, you know, I believe I, I think I started the year we were about 20 games into the season. I think I was at like 52%. And what ended up happening was, you know, I think I had the, after the 52%, I had like a five for 27 stretch. And the really weird part about it is if you would ask me like, Hey, you're going to have a five for 27 stretch. I'd be like, that's impossible. Like, there's no way I'm going to you know, miss <laughs> 22 of 27 shots. But the problem was I was only shooting maybe like four or five a game. So it was that same thing. And as opposed to, you know, Kendrick Nunn at Oakland who can start the game over five from three, but get out of the slump in the same game because he's shooting 13. Like there, there's something to that where, you know, it doesn't take, it's not cut over three games where you have the time to sit there and think about it and like, let it marinate. Um, you know, it was, it, it was something I realized like as I was going through it, that for a guy like Adam Miller, um, and you could tell, like, he just – he had a different type of bounce to him, even on his jump shot. Like, he was kind of pulling the string a little bit in the second half because he was just yeah. confident. Like, it was going yeah. up and it was going in. And I think that was – out of all the things that happened in that Northwestern game, there was a lot of history that was made in terms of, you know, first half to second half and outscoring them by 40 and this and that. But I think Adam Miller coming out of that game extremely confident is – is as a shooter and, and, and as a player, too, he made that great cut in the second half. Um and, and not only the great cut, but was able to finish yes. which he struggled with this year, kind of finishing a, a amongst the trees. And, and, and you could tell that all, and for a shooter, like it, you know, hitting shots and seeing shots go in, it just unlocks a little bit of confidence. It unlocks a little bit of athleticism. And I thought that for a guy like him, um, uh, that's so important because you already got, you know, you already got the the Mariano Rivera coming off the bench and <laughs> in, uh, in Corbello. um, you know, so having having a guy like Adam be confident, it just it only makes this, this team more potent.
0: Yeah, it's one as a shooter, you know, you miss a you miss a shot. You miss two, three shots. But if you get a, if you're going to get you can miss four. You know how it is. Once you make one and you make two, like, you you feel like they're all going in, you know. And so yeah. he misses four. Well, if you make the next four, you're four for eight. That's 50 percent. But if you don't get to right. shoot the next four, you're still over four. Right. So. Um, it, everybody's kind of streaky. And I think the more attempts makes a big difference. Great, great insight there. Is you you, uh, as you, you transferred, right? Uh, and you went to Wright State as a grad transfer that uh, obviously get more, um, you, you got more playing time, you know, there. And, uh, but right now, but you, you stuck it out for your time at Illinois. Right now, it seems like kids are jumping in the transfer portal at the semester. We aren't even making it through a full year. We're just out yeah. after, after three months. What do you think that's about? And how's the, what do you attribute that to?
1: Well, I, I think now there's, there's even, even more incentive to do it if they're going to, if they're going to do away with the, the sit out year, but um, you know, it, it, it's weird because there's a lot that that go it, social media is so much different now. And I, I, I don't want to sound like the old, like get off my porch. <laughs> You're guy, dating yourself. Like, You're dating. Yeah. Yourself. But, <laughs> but it really is in, 20, in 2012 and 2013, you know, it was a lot, it was just a lot different. And, um, you know, what goes on when guys commit and, and quite honestly, it's, it's amazing. I think at times these kids that, that, that are transferring, it's not always, Hey, I want to go to a better situation. I want to do this. I want to do that. I think some kids honestly just, they want to go back through the process again and they want to just, they want, they want to feel that again. They want to feel wanted again. Um, because it's a really, really, um, it's a struggle for a lot of freshmen and for a lot, even for a lot of sophomores, like you have this vision for how you think your career is going to go. And it, and it doesn't turn out like that or, 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 you know, you're not the 20 point per game scorer that you thought you're going to be. I think anyone knows that that's just hard to do no matter what level you're at. Um, But I think about a guy like Aaron Jordan um, who, you know, who had his, you know, had his struggles early on in his career and, Um, come out on the other end of it. And, you know, junior, senior year, I mean, he's lights out and he was you, he he was a big part of that team, not only just from a, you know, uh, from a player perspective, but from a, from a leadership perspective and from a locker room perspective. And so the Aaron Jordan thing is, is what I wish more people would understand um, is, Hey, I guarantee you like when you're done playing, no one's going to remember the eight points per game that you scored. No one cares. Like, I mean, that's, It's, it was like when I was done, you know, I was like, I want to go to Wright State and um, I just want to play again. And, and then I got done and, you know, whatever, I averaged my, my, you know, my fifth year, seven, a game, like no one cares. No one cares when you (laughs) shot from three, no one cares that, you know, you had like the game winning steal in in a game, but what does matter is the relationships that you build. And Aaron Jordan has, you know, he's loved by, by Illinois fans. You know, I, I know firsthand that there's been people that have helped him out, you know, just in his career, just since he's been done. And, you know, he, he's extremely loyal and, and granted, there's different situations, right? Like if you're at Wichita State and you're like, I don't really like what's going on here. Um, like there, there's that type of, you know, that type of time to leave or, or just go to, to, to greener pastures. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I think ultimately what you start to see is kids, um, they don't want to see it through. And, and, and me too, like I spent four years at Illinois, but I, I'd be crazy to tell you that I didn't think about leaving. Um, it was weird just how it all worked out. My freshman year, like my freshman year I played in meaningful games enough to justify coming back to my sophomore year and putting on weight and getting back in there. And, and, and I think, uh, and then a mods waiver got denied. So my sophomore year, you know, I, I, you know, I played 15 minutes in the opener and, and, and part of that was, was on me. Like I just, there were, there were times where I performed well enough in practice and then got to the game and, and it just, you know, it didn't translate for me. And, um, I feel bad for my coaches because I feel like I, I let them down at times and wasn't showing in the game what I was doing in practice. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I had that talk with coach gross. I was a sophomore, um, and it was Christmas, uh, it was like Christmas break and I'll never forget. It. I was under the basket, after practice and he called me over and was like you know hey you know it's not going to break my heart like if you decide to leave or if you you know want to do this or want to do that like he in his words were like i just don't want you to be miserable um is what he said because i i don't know i was the type of guy that you know i i was very edgy and very um you know, I, I was, I was disruptive, I guess, uh, if you, if you would say in, in, in practice in terms of kind of mucking things up and, um, you know, kind of getting on guys or, or stirring the pot a little bit, like just trying to get, trying to get the competitiveness going and, um, and kind of getting in the mud, if you will. And, um, and I think sometimes that probably went a little too far. Uh, but, but I do think that you know, I'm really interested to see what happens with the, the, you know, the, uh, the automatic eligibility, I guess, if, you know, for these people that are transferring, because I don't know if it's going to make it, I don't know if it's going to be even more the wild, wild west. Cause I mean, there's still so many people that are, you know, that are, that are transferring. So uh, I guess it remains to be seen, but, but yeah, I, I, I was just happy that, you know, and this happens at the high major level too. You know, I, what I started to realize was, Man, it doesn't matter where you go play. Um, nothing can take the place of being out there and playing. Um, like I was playing in the Horizon League, and which which you know isn't a bad league. Um, but we had nights where we'd go play at Cleveland State, and there's no one in the gym, um, and you don't notice those things because you're like, man, I'm playing, like I'm in it. Exactly. You know what I mean? And and that was kind of that'd be my advice to people. Like, hey, you know, if you have to make the decision where if you're if you're at a high major school and you decide that. You know, maybe this isn't for you. You're not playing enough. Um, You know, you, you got to make the decision of one, if you're going to stick it out, you can't be a problem. Like you can't be a problem. If you're going to stick it out, you're going to be a great teammate. You're going to be great in the locker room and you're not going to be a problem for the coaches. It's like the Eric, it's the Eric Musselman theory where it's like, Hey, I only want eight guys that are active and eligible. Um, You know, I want maybe two walk-ons and then we'll have probably four guys sitting out because, the ninth and 10th and 11th guy on the roster can implode your locker room. Yeah. It can happen. Like it's, it's one of those things where it becomes like a, and everybody says like, Oh, he's a cancer in the locker room, but guys like that who are unhappy can spoil a locker room. So it's, it's being cognizant of that and realizing like, Hey, if you go play somewhere, even if it's the mid major level, there's a lot of high major players that don't want to go down to the mid major level. Cause it's like, they feel like they failed or they feel like they didn't live up to what they should have been. But once you take that step, you realize basketball is basketball and it does feel good to be out there and it does feel good to, to hit some shots and, 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 you know, you know, make a game winning play on defense. And, um, so that's, I guess my long winded answer to your question of, (laughs) of the transfers and there's just a lot to digest there. And, and, uh, I think it's something that, um, I'd love to see more, you know, more players staying at one school, um, but I also understand the other side of it, you know, and and guys wanting to maybe go play elsewhere. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's, I guess those are kind of my takeaways from it.
0: Yeah, no. And and those are good. I I think that's very accurate. I think it's hard for kids. I, I, I deal thus in recruiting. It's like, when I've got high school kids here wanting to go to college, they'll say, you know, I want to, I'm D1. I want to I go to D1. I want to do this. Well, sometimes you don't realize yeah. the level that is. And maybe you're, maybe you want to go to D2 and play or even D3. I mean, you know, my daughter went through this with, you know, it's like, where can I go and actually have a chance to maybe compete for a championship and play and get a great education. I mean, you know, so there's a lot of things that go into these processes that sometimes I think that we don't, we don't let kids, you know, we don't look at that. You know, we just see, oh, I want to play at I'm going to say I, so I can say I went here, you know what I mean? So, um, doesn't oh, a fit. Yeah. is there a, so you've, you've got a chance obviously watching Illinois a lot this year. You've, what are your, um, what are you just, uh, we'll, we'll sum this up. What are your, what are your thoughts on them? You think they can make a run and get to a final four this year?
1: Uh, I do. I, I do. And there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, and that's not just me being a homer or, or, or being biased to, you know, the fact that I went to Illinois or, you know, know a couple of the guys in the program, and um, you know, I I try to watch them as objectively as I can, because um, over the years too, I mean, I was critical of them, um, you know, over the last few years, and this year it's just uh, it's a lot different. I feel like Coach Underwood's been able to you know to mold the program the way he wanted to, to where it's a it's a player led program, and guys are holding each other accountable, and um, and believe me, it's you know, no matter who you see in that top 25 ranking, that's not like that at every school. Um, and some of that is kind of a, a facade, if you will, where, where, you know, teams are winning right now, but um, in order to advance in March, in order to to be playing games in April, quite frankly, um, you need to have that type of locker room. You know, Villanova is known for that. Um, where they're, they're very tight knit, they hold each other accountable. Jay Wright's obviously a really good coach, um, but this team, there's there's a lot to love about it. Because they can they can hurt you from a lot of different areas. I think last year, um, they were great defensively. Uh, they needed to keep games in the fifties and sixties in order to win the games. Because quite frankly, quite frankly, they just weren't as potent on offense. And now you know you start to see the other side of that coin where hey, you know we can win the track meet. You know we can win those those grinded up games in the in the fifties and sixties. Um, and, and that's the you know those are the types of teams that I think. Um, can make it far in March and can make it into April uh, because you can win in a myriad of different ways. And then not only that, you have a team that's been able to show that that they're resilient, that they, you know, you, you saw it at Northwestern, you saw it at Penn State, you saw it against Ohio, um, which I think, you know, uh, you know, that Ohio game is kind of a microcosm of what could happen in an NCAA tournament, um, you know, because at the end of the day, man, it's not, it's not about how you win; it's about if you win. And I, I think back to—I believe it was the 2011 NCAA tournament. It was the second time Butler made it to the Final Four. Um, they beat Old Dominion in the first round by two. Yeah. You know, and and, and so what are we, are we? Is Brad Stevens the coach of the Celtics if they get bounced in the first round to Old Dominion? Like they—I think it was like 61-59. They were able to beat them, and you know, and, and they made it all the way to the championship. So it doesn't matter. Like I'm not big into we're playing a bad team. We need to beat them by 25. And if we don't beat them by 25, it's a failure. That's, that's not true because the, the, the reality is this Illinois team and the way that they're um, the way that they're viewed and and the way that they're um, I guess their status in the conference right now, um, you're going to get everyone's best shot, you know, and, and, and everyone's going to be, is going to be amped to play you. So that's why you see, Oh, we're getting off to bad starts. Oh, we had a bad first half. It's, you know, because you're playing, you know, a completely optimized Northwestern team. You're playing a completely optimized Penn State team. But as you continue to play 40 minutes against Illinois, they wear you down. Um, you know, I think that's always been the, the common theme over the years, right? It's always been, you know, why can't Illinois play a full 40 minutes? Like, ah, they were great, you know, they're great in these spurts. And then they, they you know, there were letdowns here in the middle of the first half, middle of the second half. And now Illinois is that team that you have to play 40 minutes against. And, and that's, that's, what's been really cool to see is, you know, elite is not comfortable with them. Now on the flip side of that, um, I think one of the, one of the downsides of this team and the the negative of this team is the fact that they know that they know that they can come (laughs) back and you don't want to play with fire every game. And, um, and say hey you know we're down 10 12 but you know we're illinois we'll come back and win it's great to have that confidence knowing that you can but you can't be okay with that you can't be okay with with getting down and um you know once a team goes on a 7-0 run like we got to stop that because you know there'll there'll be games where you know you're down 13 at half and that team comes out and keeps clicking and you lose by 21 as opposed to thinking you're going to come back and win so um i thought that i thought this northwestern game was really was a game that Um, I thought epitomized who they are. Um, You know, they are, they are, uh, they do throw haymakers. Um, You know, they are potent offensively. Um, And you saw in the second half, part of that too was Northwestern missing shots, but Illinois had a lot to do with that. Um, And if they can, if they can string that together for 40 minutes, I'm not sure that there's anyone in the country. um, And and I'm telling you, Baylor and Gonzaga included that can beat them. If they're they're playing like that for 40 minutes, you got to think about Baylor right now. Baylor in game four when they played Illinois is probably just about the same team that they were. Right. Um, you know, they they were already senior laden, you know, upperclassmen laden. Um, you know, they, they defend and, and the Baylor that Illinois saw was about, you know, pretty close to the Baylor that you're going to see this entire season. The Illinois that Baylor saw is not the Illinois that you're going to see in February and March. And even right now, like they, they just have a lot of guys in that team that have improved um Kofi included you know Curbello and Adam Miller have gotten better um you know defensively and then having a guy like Jacob Grandison who you know who you can bring into the Penn State game and who you can bring into the Northwestern game and he was a massive massive reason why they continued those runs and and he had that offensive rebound uh in both games he had an offensive rebound against Penn State and Northwestern that led to baskets um that, you know, that helped keep, continue to propel Illinois to, to coming back. So, and then, you know, you have, there's not much needs to be said about IO Um, you know, Mm -hmm. what you're going to get from him every night. Like I thought he was, I didn't think he played well in that first half um, against Northwestern. And then you look up at the end of the game, you're like, he's five for 10 for 15, six and five. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable um, how he does it and how consistently he does it. So um, a lot to be, uh, you know, a lot to be hopeful about with, with this Illinois team. Cause I, I still think that they're not really even close to their ceiling. Um, you know, as opposed to maybe in Iowa, like what you see with Iowa right now is probably what you're going to see with Iowa, you know, for the rest of the season. Like you want to be that team that's sitting there in the top 15, but like, Hey, we continue to improve. Um, you know, you, you and it's, as opposed to being a preseason number three team in the country, and then kind of falling out of the top 25 and you're kind of like the Jekyll and Hyde and, Um, this team is, uh, and and I think, I think the big 10 knows it. Like this is, this is to me, this is the team to beat in the big 10, um, because they can win in a myriad of different ways. So, um, I'm excited. I'm excited to to watch them tonight and and I'm excited to, uh, to continue to see them kind of go through this big 10 slate and learn a little bit more about themselves.
0: All right. Well, Hey, I, I think Illinois fans are excited. Finally have a season where they feel like they're in that mix. You know what I mean? So uh, it's been a while, um, but so, Hey, wh- I, we want to have you back again before the basketball tournament for sure. Cause you improve it. Cause we know you're going to go in social media silence once the tournament starts. So we got to have you pregame. So we're going to have the preview of the tournament. Right. So uh, it, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll start getting those Twitter announcements at some point when we get those commitments and, we get all those players. It's almost like yeah. following recruiting again. So, um, so if you can give me an insider heads up, just shoot me a message. So I know it's coming so I, I can kind of get my, get yep. prepared. And we'll, we'll, we'll get those commitments, commitments announced.
1: Yeah. So. The, uh, the Those have been some of the, that's been some of the most fun, I think uh, being able to put those videos out and, and who's it going to be. And, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's been neat. And it's, and I think you're going to have, you're going to have different guys this year too. Um you know, new faces as well. Um, you know, some that I think obviously Alana fans are are familiar with. And um, but it's funny, like what what we have planned right now and in, in whatever it is, January, what is it, January January tenth, you know, it may look a lot different in May. You just never you never know with COVID and you never know with guys having to go back overseas in the league and, and we had it happened with Ravante, you know, it happened with Matt Mooney um Ravante had to back out Matt Mooney had to back out 48 hours before we were going to Columbus and the Cavs pulled him back and so you know it's I always say you know it's the job is not finished until we until we take the court um (laughs) you know your roster basically isn't finalized until you're walking out there for warm-up so um it'll be fun I'm looking forward to you know kind of that April um time frame where we can start kind of rolling out you know these announcements again and Um, I've been, I've been, you know, keeping, keeping these guys warm in terms of checking in with them and, you know, making sure that, that we have a roster out there that, you know, that can go and win this entire thing.
0: All right. Well, Hey, we're looking forward to it. Thanks for coming on today. I appreciate it, Mike. And, uh, we'll stay in touch and go online.
1: Of course, man. Thanks for having me.